everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cella Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo, and I have with me returning to the podcast, uh, hopefully going to be more of a regular as I squeeze information out of them uh, and potentially take fan questions as well and uh, pass them through our solicitors and see what we can legally ask and stuff like that. Uh, I have with me the one and only designer of the uh, the British Wrestling Icons line and the Wrestling Megastars line. I have with me Tippy. How are you doing? Hello. Um, yes, I'm doing ground. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, very, very welcome. Um, yeah, the uh, the the feedback to uh, the Adrian Street figure and the uh, the British Wrestling Icons line has been incredible as, you know, feedback to all of the figures that Cella announced has been. And, uh, you know, I know, I know Cella and yourself continue to listen to feedback from uh, fans and, uh, you know, the feedback is always... I think largely uh, constructive and, uh, <laughs> you know, something that can be taken on board and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, the um, the Adrian Street figure launches the British Wrestling Icons line, which is uh, a, an amazing thing. And uh, please go back and listen to the previous episode where I interviewed Joanne Randalls about the documentary she made. And we go in depth on the uh the figure that is coming out in the british wrestling icons line uh also uh you know uh, touching on the previous episode there is a, a question on the cello toys website what color card for wrestling megastars series three would you like to see uh purple red yellow green silver or orange uh you know please vote carefully because this is going to be your one chance maybe vote many times um do like a Donald Trump thing and just like vote many times and uh, get people to vote on your behalf and stuff like that. Um, and uh, another vote that is uh, going to start soon is the uh, the uh, choice of attires for the Wrestling Megastars British Bulldog figure. Uh, we've got WCW 93 with Soft Goods Cape. Uh, we have Heart Foundation 97 with Heart uh, Foundation Bulldog Jacket. And we have Allied Powers Bulldog as well. I secretly, secretly want the Allied Powers Bulldog, but um, I would be happy with any of them. Um, and the WCW 93 uh, hits close to home because he wrestled at, uh, at Gator Leisure Center. My mother met Diana in the toilet and uh said hello and i was uh you know i think i've told everyone in the world that now including diana and georgia and uh they luckily didn't uh get a restraining order out on me for telling them that story uh the bone crushing <laughs> wrestlers mini figure is uh the mental card pictures are out there now if you are a fan of the previous line of that figure you know the the packaging very much reminiscent of series one to series three with that amazing logo that, you know, uh, the Superstars logo, which has been reappropriated and, uh, you know, brought into the 21st century, uh, available through figurecollections.com. So if you haven't guessed yet by uh, clicking on the show, uh, which is entitled, uh, you know, by the name of the subject we're going to be talking about, uh, it is the 35th anniversary of, in my opinion, one of the greatest teams of all time, one of my favourite teams of all time. They when figures come out of these uh of this team they always look incredible and these may be the definitive versions of those figures uh we are of course talking about axe and smash demolition and uh i am blown away by these uh by your artwork for these so when were you told that uh, demolition were going to be made um thanks um god where was it it was only a couple of months ago um but they would basically just get in touch. This is Chella Charles, and he would say, you know, we just got this name. 
And it was the same with Demolition. They acquired the names and I was like, right, happy days. Anything specific that you want? And he's no, you crack on. So <laughs> it was just a case. They were quite There's a, a t-shirt in there that can be made, I think, just Charles saying you crack yeah. on and just... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I don't mean to paint, it's not like he doesn't care, but it's just... No, no, he puts think, that much faith into what you do, you know. I think I hope that's what it is, just he's <laughs> kind of like, right, he kind of knows halfway what he's doing there, so let's let him do it. So, yeah, but without them, obviously they had the Hasbro's out, which were fantastic. You know, a lot of people's favourites, whether it's their tag teams or just figures. So it was kind of like, what the hell am I going to do to change these up? You know, how am I going to better these? Because they were so good. Um, and that's that's kind of what I came to the idea of using the entrance kind of gear, you know, the leathers, the waistcoats, the chaps, and um, just that whole look. Um, just just to make it a little bit different, you know, change up a little, change up the paint a little, and give some, give the people an alternative to what they've got. Well, that was, you know, something, if there is a criticism of the previous version of this line, is that, you know, there were so many figures that came out that could have had some entrance gear. And I know there was the the Smash and Crush double pack, which did eventually come with masks. Uh, but, you know, I guess you had to have a selling point because the Smash was a re-release. It wasn't a different face paint or anything like that. Um, so it makes perfect sense to uh, give them their full, uh, you know, uh, battle armor of the the vest and the uh and the chaps as well so for those who are wondering as well these are going to be molded aren't they they're not going to be removable but because there are yeah. previous incarnations of the figure you can mix and match if you want i guess well that's it exactly they're going to be molded um and i know there was some hasbro's that did have their entrance gear mold, molded on and the you know, you're always going to draw some sort of criticism. Um, but as you say, the, we already have the the ring gear attire. Um, so it just kind of makes sense to have the entrance, you know. And if you are having these on display, they'll look great beside each other. If you are wanting to have a wee wrestle, get the ring out. You know, it'll, you could have them walk in with the cello figures and then quick throw them under the ring, get the Hasbro's out, you know. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, you know, but it's all good fun. Yeah. So can you confirm as well, are these going to be coming out in a double pack or are they going to be two singles like the original X and Smash? Um, I'm not 100% on this because I know, you know, like there is a business money side of it. I don't know what will work out better for Chella. So they'll have that final decision. But as far as I'm aware, it's a double pack. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I think the only double pack we've had so far is the Minion Chernoff pack. Um, so I know there is other tag teams in the works, which are more than likely going to come in a two pack. Um, so I'm 99% sure this is going to be a double pack, but I don't want to say that for certain, you know, yeah. in case. Yeah, we're trying not to get in any trouble here <laughs> until, yeah, exactly. until the word is officially out there. But I mean, I think a lot of us would you know, the dream is to have, because obviously, again, there was a smash and crush, but to have Axe and Smash really how it should be uh, in a double pack would be uh, would be a wonderful uh, thing, especially with the artwork oh. that, uh, you know, yourself, uh, you know, that you do for Cella and uh, the, the packaging artwork as well. Uh, they're going to, either way, they're going to look superb, I think. 
hopefully, you know, hopefully kind of people see see the design to get back, get behind it. And, you know, there's always kind of, with all the designs coming out, there's always a buzz, but you do get certain people that might kind of nitpick a little and say, well, you should have done this, you should have done that. <laughs> but that's always kind of part of the territory. But I think they look great, so... I'm happy. <laughs> no, abs- absolutely. And, uh, you know, because I, I felt awful when I brought up some, <laughs> something. But I guess, like, passion is probably, hopefully, seen as a good thing. Um, oh, yeah. With yeah. regards to these things. And, and two other uh, things that should be mentioned with regards to uh, the action smash is they come with their arm gauntlets as well, which, uh, yes. you know, has rarely been seen on any demolition figures and they also do come with the helmets uh so you can uh you know you can do free bird rules and uh, confuse their opponents and bring in that crush figure to uh you know confuse vince mcmahon on commentary even though they look very different but vince had to play dumb <laughs> you know smash had a tattoo for a start and crush is about seven foot but uh, you know, for the purposes of certain matches, we'll uh, we'll pretend to not know who was who. So but, just trying to blind there, <laughs> as the referee did as well. So yeah, one inter- one thing that I did bring up was uh, Smash. You know, obviously had a, a tattoo as well. So that is something that you know brought to your attention. Something I'm guessing that you may think about because these are these are blueprints and obviously uh, cards subject to change and stuff like that. So you know that oh, yeah. there is the possibility of maybe a tattoo, because I'm guessing that is something that maybe I, when these are shown, um, as they, you know, the, the show goes up today as you're listening to it. So the pictures are shown today as well. So I'm guessing you will automatically get lots of feedback and suggestions and stuff like that, as you have with previous um, figures, I'm guessing. And I'm, I've, I'd imagine oh, the yeah. smash tattoo might be a thing that gets brought up. It's definitely something that now you've brought to my attention that, um, it's not there. It's nothing that I would want on it. Um, but that's the kind of thing as well. Like at the end of the day, I'm just, you know, make mistakes like everybody. And I have made a few. One one that I remember doing recently was um, on Greg Valentine's guitar. Some of the reference images that I found, I didn't realize that they were flipped, you know. So I had put left-handed guitar and it was actually a right-handed guitar, but the image had just been flipped. Um so didn't catch on so that's all been adjusted and, you know sent the new blueprints away with the was dead easy to do just turn it around the right way you said um, dead easy to do but it's amazing uh you know based on the past how you know you'd see a prototype that desperately needs to be changed <laughs> just oh no this this is before like it went the prototype stage oh, okay. was, the, the design had literally just been you know done and then so yeah, that was, and same with demolition. I'm hoping that it's still in the early stages where you, you know, it shouldn't be an issue to have a, a small tattoo. You know what I mean? Mm. And and the likenesses as well. Uh, you know, you don't want to just completely rip off. It, it's kind of hard with, like, say, demolition or. Uh, whoever else who has previously had a figure in that style that you don't want to rip them off too much, but also it makes finding their likeness much easier as well. With certain wrestlers, I'm guessing you're looking at photographs of them, but with, say, the Axe and Smash, are you specifically looking at their previous figures instead? Um, To be honest, no. I was working more from their photographs. Um, I did... See the way I would have it, I would have it on the on the iPad 
on the screen and it would have like I did have a wee picture of the previous figures and then I would have like photographs of them, different face paints, different attires and just kind of draw bits, you know, from each. Yeah. Different elements that you like and don't like and kind of do it that way. No, that's 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 really cool. Yeah, just it's it's always fascinating to like sort of get in the mind of the designer as well and uh, have stuff confirmed either way. Uh, one thing that's interesting about the the tattoo, um, when Randy Colley, because demolition was his idea originally, and uh, Randy Colley and Bill Eadie did two TV matches as demolition with very very weird face paint and dyed green hair and all sorts of weird stuff, and they were managed by Johnny Valiant, and. Yes. Um, too many people recognized Collie as the Moondogs and they were getting Moondog chats. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, Krusha Khrushchev was brought in from uh, the NWA, uh, from Crockett. And uh, the, the, the problem with that, though, is you've got someone who was nationally recognized on TV with a very recognizable tattoo. So when he came in, he actually wore an elbow pad over his tattoo. Uh, to hide it whilst he uh, grew his hair out and uh, then eventually the the elbow pad moved and uh, you know it uh, became more of a, a a thing that could be visibly seen I guess yeah but, uh, yeah it's, uh, so the the smash uh, there's a smash an early version of a smash from a line uh, where I've specifically put like the elbow pad like over the tattoo um just to be slightly uh... nerdy but um well, that's a good bit of trivia. That's something that I didn't know about. That you know, the tattoo or that story behind it. And the thing, well, the th- with Edie as well. Except when he was part of the Mongols, like many years before, and he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't recognizable as Bill Edie. He'd only wrestled under a mask as either the Machines or, um, uh, oh, who am I thinking? Um, Oh, that's going to do my head. Uh, oh, the Mass Superstar, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm such a big Mass Superstar fan. That's like a... a no, that's, that one, that's a figure that I would love to see, you know, come to fruition as well, like a Mass Superstar, like a, like a single kind of one. Mate, if you, yeah, we're not confirming or, you know, anything at all, but if a Mass Superstar was ever made, I would be over the moon. Um yeah, the, the, the combination of Mass Superstar and Grand Wizard is one of my favourite, because uh, he was big in Georgia, obviously, but also big in WWF in the yeah. early to mid-80s. And when Grand Wizard died, because he was managing Sergeant Slaughter and uh, and the uh, Mass Superstar at the time, they kind of played it into a storyline where they weren't used to Wizard not being there and they were kind of looking mm-hmm. into the corner for advice and stuff like that, and they would actually lose matches as a result of that, which I thought was um, <laughs> very unique, I think. And, uh, you know, the Wizard, without going completely off topic, well, we are a little bit, but the he was so important to Vince Sr., and as a result, important to Vince McMahon Jr., that when they brought in uh, King Curtis Ikea, he was kind of the descendant of the grand wizard and he was speaking to him 50,000 feet in you know in the air and getting uh, advice from him and stuff like that and when Paul Vichon got married on the Saturday night's main event episode they did the mm-hmm. wedding reception and they had a they had tables there for all the different wrestlers and there was a manager's table and Albano and Freddie Brassi were sat there but there was a third chair for the wizard but it was empty but it was left there as like a tribute to him which uh-huh. I Found very very cool. Like um, our demolition uh, and the machines and mass superstar. I'm just such a huge 
nut about them. So I'm definitely really. No, you keep mentioning these names. That's not another one. The machines that would be very <laughs> cool to get in Hasbro form. So oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Um, oh, I mean, the, we're, we're, again, without like just you know creating a wish list here, as I do with yeah. uh, you know Cella all the time. Uh, they're probably sick to death of me providing them with ideas. Um, yeah, the um, the the demolition. Uh, there's no no date at all yet for uh, pre-orders because uh, the announcements just come. Um, yeah, but it's just uh, it's it's an incredible announcement that's been made because these are names that should be in every Hall of Fame you could imagine. They should be getting merchandise left, right, and center. Um, and the fact that I guess they have control of their own destiny. I mean, they're in the Wrestle Dudes line, which I know Chella has something to do with as well. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that these are—they live up to the previous incarnation of the figures in this size as well. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, it, the, the fact that the stances suit their. Uh, you know, their character and the fact that uh, I love that you're not using, just reusing the same arms uh, for Demolition Eva. You're kind of switching them over uh, to have one yeah. hand to, you know, choke his opponent and want to pound uh, the hell out that of was, That was something that kind of caused me because I was so tempted to do different, you know, have one maybe clothesline, one doing this. And, but the more I sit and looked at them together, and at first, they both had exactly the same arms in the position. They just look really good. And they both have, when you actually see them together, they both have very similar, if not identical, body types, um, similar heights. And I was just like, Do you know what? I'm, I, I might just kind of roll with this because it does look really good. So it was just a matter of kind of changing the arms about. And I can just imagine that on a two pack, you know what I mean? With them both looking quite menacing with the arms by the sides rather than one you know, with his arm out in the clothesline or one doing a gorilla press. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, the gorilla press mean, was a weird choice for acts at the time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I do love that figure, but it's just, I don't know. I just really like the, the look of these two kind of in uniform, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I just think it works. Plus the fact that, like, you get if you're getting fans going to, like, a sign-in and they, they want the two-pack Hasbro's, you're talking, like, 400 quid. <laughs> that two pack um yeah. with the shell toys will come out and be a lot more you know affordable and, and might look might look better <laughs> that's <laughs> see that's 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 one thing i love about uh the brian clark figure as well because you know you would have to sell a limb to get an original oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he's coming Crazy. out in different lines so you know all the attires are being covered uh, but the yep. glow in the dark ones just oh in terms of creative idea for a figure um, that's one of my favorite ideas of all time. <laughs> I know. See, to be honest, when I first heard they wanted to do that, I was a little bit unsure. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. But there was a little bit of back and forth because the original design, it was just going to be all glow in the dark, you know, like that sort of off green. Yeah. And it didn't look great. So we had to kind of tweak the design and put black into it here and there. And, and then, to be honest, I was kind of like, Taking it back, I thought it looked really, really good, you know, once those changes were made. Um, but yeah, that's do you know 
um, in terms of trying to get some information out of you with the uh, the glow in the dark Brian Clark figure, uh, is it going to have a very unique uh, packaging design, or is that not your area to comment on? Um, it's not really my area. I'm trying to think if I've seen anything. Um, I don't think I have. I would just, but you would just assume it's going to be different. You know what I mean? I would anyway, because everything about. The design was different, the, the figure's different, so it would make sense to kind of have maybe a wee twist yeah. on the packaging, but who knows? We'll wait and see. <laughs> well, well, one thing about the uh, the demolition set, before we get into our interview with uh, Dwayne Gill, by the way, who is receiving a figure uh, from Cella for the uh, Bone Crushing Wrestlers line. Um, so excited that I got to chat with Dwayne Gill. Uh, he's one of the most fun people ever, and I wish I has had his zest for life. Uh, at half of his age um there have been incarnations of the demolition figures where it's kind of hard with a tag team that dressed similarly and have similar body types where from foot to neck it's going to be exactly the same figure um and then obviously the head's different but so in terms of you know again changing the arms around and uh you're just doing little things like that to make them unique um it's great yeah. that you had that in mind because it offers value for money as well instead of just feeling like you're buying the same figure twice. Yeah, well, that's it. It's just a little kind of touch. Um, but I think once you have those figures on the shelf, because they're obviously they're completely different heads and they've both got the unique pain, you know, to each character. Uh-huh. Um, and as, I, as you say, with the arms are different, I can just kind of, I can kind of see them up on my shelf and, you know, I wouldn't feel not just saying this because I was sort of part of it, but if I was just get, getting it, I wouldn't feel like a, you know they were trying to do me. If you know what I mean that way, I would kind of <laughs> be I'd be quite happy with it. Just a touch as well on the the Gilbert thing. That's an, another figure that I would love to see, because he, like, he was part of the Toxic Turtles with <laughs> I him and Brian Hardy. Yeah, Barry Hardy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bar- Barry Hardy. Sorry. Um, I would I would love to see that because the the outfits were so kind of bad on purpose. Do you know what I mean? But I just think that would make a great another great tag team set. But I can't imagine the amount of uh, legal loopholes you would have to jump into me. Yeah. The turtles again. <laughs> Did you hear the story about how that happened as well? Um, I don't know if I have or not. To be honest, well, go ahead. I don't think one of them, uh, Barry or Dwayne, just happened to, for whatever reason, had these outfits backstage. And it was January or February '93, and Barry or Dwayne were doing like spinneroonies on the shelves. Uh, and Vince just happens to walk past, and he's like, "Who the hell is that in those costumes?" <laughs> and uh, someone pointed out it's Barry and Dwayne, and he's like, "You're going out in those outfits." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I've got know. Yeah, Barry and Dwayne are so up. I mean, you know, Dwayne in particular, uh, from speaking to him, he's so up for a laugh. And uh, yeah. I know how much of an honour he sees uh, being able to have these figures. And 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 I know for a fact, again, because uh, Barry Dorso and uh, Bill Eady take the, the, the demolition trademarks and all of the names and their legacy so seriously, and they're quite rightly as well. Um, oh, I yeah. know what a big deal this must be to see more new demolition figures coming out with, again, a little twist, but also a, a nod to the past, which, uh, you know, it's almost like mm-hmm. a full circle thing for, for demolition, which is quite beautiful, I think. Oh, definitely. You know, and they've had quite a few incantations and different lines, and 
as you say, it's kind of like going back to the, the retro, back to what the kind of, well, I suppose not what to start with, but close to it. Yeah. So it's good to see. Well, that's the thing. There was an axe before that, wasn't there? Never a smash. Um, oh, the LJN. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which was, it had really odd face paint, didn't it? It was like bright red. Yeah, it was very... I mean, that's the thing. In 87, they really experimented a lot more with different face paints, and then it kind of became slightly more uniform as time went on to become more recognisable. And then, I mean, much later on, when Crush joined, they went through that period where um, Animal and Hawk got brought in. So Vince had kind of waned on demolition a little because they turned heel, they lost the tag belts for the final time at that point. So do you remember when they put them in the skin-tight kind of bondage masks um, that, like, um, to the face. Like, they were very disconcerting. <laughs> just weird. Yeah, they, they didn't stay with those long. I believe, you know, the team, especially Axe and Smash, because they were the the, uh, the veterans of the team. They they would have yeah. said, we are not wearing these anymore. <laughs> and uh, it didn't last too long, okay. and, you know. Excuse me. It just shows you that, like, demolition in their four-year history being used at the top of the card throughout those four years, because even at the end, they were teaming up with... It was them against Warrior and LOD on Saturday night's main event, or they would headline house shows and in the garden and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, used very well until the end. And I was... Even 91 demolition after Billy D had left, I find that fascinating that they were still... You know, they were at WrestleMania 7 against Katow and Tenru, and then uh, Brian Adams went back to uh, Oregon at that point to uh, wrestle with Billy Jack Haynes' uh, company, but Smash stayed around for a little bit and uh, faced the likes of Ricky Steamboat, and they had that really ominous evil music um, that gets dubbed over all the time uh, back when they went with Mr. Fuji, and then obviously Smash, he got repackaged as a Repo Man after that. Um so yeah, they're such a colourful career, and uh, hopefully something that we can delve more into because uh, there's so much to talk about with demolition. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I know I ramble on as well, so I do, <laughs> do apologise for that. But I'm just so so excited that more demolition figures are coming out, and the fact that I even yeah. remotely connected uh, with Chella who are releasing these figures. It's not lost on me. It's the same with like the big daddy and giant haystacks figure. My dad would have been over the moon that they were bringing out, you know, these names from his past and stuff like that. So, um, well, that was like, like my mom out of our family, he was bigger into the wrestling than my dad was. He was more like into boxing. Um, but I actually ordered her, uh, when they were doing the pre-orders, the big daddy one, it was just for her to have, like, she would appreciate that and she'll have it sitting up on her shelf. She loved all that kind of thing you know, back in the 70s, early 80s. And so she'll, she's more excited, I think, than <laughs> I am for the, the other kind of figures coming out in a you know, similar kind of era. Uh, I can't wait. We, we did a deep dive on Daddy and Haystacks, and uh, the families of both uh, listened to the podcast and were actually really happy with how it turned out. And I was just like, oh, oh yes. That makes me both very good. That makes me emotional, you know. That's the thing. All the podcasts are very good. I really enjoyed um, the, the Daddy and the Haystacks one, um, the first demolition one that he's done. Um, uh, Gangrel, really enjoyed that one. The Luna Vachon, 
so every single one that comes out because I would just listen to podcasts in the car and on the way to work. So as soon as you announce, right, we've got this one up, I'm straight on it. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I can tell that you've got your own battle royal going on at home. <laughs> That's my, yeah, my daughter. I have a 10 year old and a six year old, and the six year old is mental. So I can hear her screaming in the other room. So Do they love that you're making action figures? Oh. Uh, what is it? Do they love that you're making action figures or are they not bothered? Like... Um, it's a bit sad, but they're not really that bothered. <laughs> I think um, technology's taking over my house. You know, they're more into watching YouTube or playing PlayStation. Mm. So my figures could blow out the window. <laughs> but actually, do you know, my, my, my wee girl, she's in your art. And when I'm doing the designs on the iPad, I will call her over to help me colour in. So... I can't give the name I was doing earlier today. Yeah. Because he hasn't been announced yet, but she was over helping me, you know, colouring the skin tone and whatnot. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I, I love the des- on the designs, you accommodate for the fact that they will be glossy figures as well. So you do see the shine and uh, you see like changes oh, yeah. in skin tone and all that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, these are uh, really high end, beautiful uh, figures. Uh, and, you know, I saw a finished uh, example of a figure that, uh, you know, will be coming out. And I'm just like, it it lives up to the artwork, as have all the figures so far. So, yeah, um, I, I, I look forward to you coming on more and we'll talk, we'll reminisce a bit more uh, and we'll get nerdy and go old school and stuff like that. So, Tippy, I want to thank you. Where can people find you uh, before we get into our uh, main event? Probably the easiest place, just uh, Instagram. It's just my name, tippies under slash shiz. Um, that's just, just on Insta. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all, but I would probably use that more. So I would. That's great. You can uh, bug tippy with all of your questions and. Uh, oh, yes. Keeps me, <laughs> keeps me busy. Do you know what I mean? You get in from work at night and you get asked all sorts. So it's all good fun. But uh, well, thanks very much for having me on the show. You know what I mean? I'm just, as I've said a few times, I just do the drawings. So it's nice to come on and like, talk about them. Hopefully people are interested in them in the process and whatnot. Um, I'm, many people are blown away by them, as am, as am I. So let's get into part one of my epic interview with the one and the only, the longest reigning light heavyweight champion in WWF history and the newest recipient of a bone crushing wrestler's action figure from Cello Toys. All of a toys should look out because this man is coming to destroy them. He is the man, the myth, Dwayne Gill. Hey, hey, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'd start with a good introduction, and then we can just go downhill from there. And, that was an know, awesome get... introduction. What are you talking about? I loved it. <laughs> uh, see, I, sh- I should have been a ring announcer. <laughs> I'm telling you. That was so, great. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, for doing this. Uh, we've got to talk about the figure first, because this is very exciting. This is your first ever action figure, which is crazy, considering what a splash you made during the Attitude Era. And oh, the fact I that I mean, when I when I first won the belt, the first two years that I had won the belt, I was the number one wanted wrestling figure in Jack's Toys, and they never made one. Boo, boo to Jack's. Jack's but Toys, the... Jack's Pacific was who used to make WWF's uh, wrestling figures. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge collector of uh, the 
old school figures from all the different companies. But what I love about the the new cello figure is that it's being made in that style. So oh, I know. Your- I, I, it's awesome. I mean, I've already seen drawings and everything, and I, I'm I'm so excited. They're they're really doing us all, you know, uh, an honor on how well they're doing the doll. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and we're, we're going to talk about some of the matches that you had as the uh, the Gilberg uh, character as well because I remember all of them, uh, and we're going to get we're going to get involved in some of that as well. But um, what? How did uh, was it, Chella, that reached out to you uh, initially, and did it take you completely off guard? Yes, I was yeah, I was completely off guard, and uh, it um it totally it, it's an honor. It really is. It's a it's a total honor that they, you know, and I'm the first, you know, part of the first line. I think they have what six or seven of them coming out. The yeah, first six one. in the first line, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm part of it. That that alone is an honor. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm I'm thrilled to death that they picked me. I really am. It, it's uh, I'm very excited about it. Well, another thing that I love about the this line is these figures were made between 1995 and 1999. So they are sticking with names who were around during that time. No one in this line is going to feel out of place. Uh, so, you know, your fellow job squad, uh, Brethren, the Blue Meanie, is oh, getting yeah. his first figure in that style as well. And, uh, you know, back in the day, there was an Al Snow figure already made. Uh, there's already a Bob Holly made. So, you know, we've nearly got the job squad in completion, which is which is amazing. I'm very, very excited about that. So we have to call um, him Cole Scorpio. Yes, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Charles. Um, yeah, there is a Flash Funk figure, you know. Um, so at the very least, you, you could make a good custom, I think. But uh, we've, there's got to be That's a two, got to be a two cold uh, figure coming out at some point. I would hope. Um, so we're going to jump kind of all over the place. Um, someone who I chatted to quite a lot on Facebook um, over the past couple of years was uh, uh, bad boy Barry Hardy, uh, your longtime tag team partner. Um, and I can imagine there are some wild stories. But how did you meet Barry? Because you were teaming well before even the WWF. Barry Hardy. Barry Hardy's who taught me how to wrestle. I learned wow. how to wrestle in Barry Hardy's basement on a piece of half-inch foam and carpet on a concrete floor. That's where I learned hip tosses, body slams, uh, arm drags. I learned all that in his basement on a concrete floor. I have so this- Hardy to thank for everything. I mean, to be honest with you, he he taught me how to wrestle. He took me to WWF. He got me in WWF and everything. You know, we were just really, really good friends. To be honest with you, we used to live in apartment complex. And I used to always say, come on, Barry, man, wrestling's on, wrestling's on. I ain't watching that fake shit. I ain't watching that stuff. No <laughs> way. I ain't wa- okay. And then, uh, you know, as time goes on, two years down the line, I moved away. He moved away. I got married. He was married. You know what I mean? And uh, then all of a sudden, one day, I'm watching, t- uh, watching wrestling with my wife. And I go, babe, babe, come here. She goes, and I said, isn't that Barry? but a lot bigger. And she goes, it is, that's Barry. And then it says Barry Hardy across the screen, you know? And I was like, wow, man. So I called his mother and his mother said, he's home. Here's his number. So he, she gave me his number. I called him up because we hadn't talked in like two years. Mm-hmm. I called him up 
And he goes, hey, man, I've been looking all over for you, man. Oh, my God, man. Now I got to tell you, man, I went and I saw Hulk Hogan and my life changed. And I had to become a wrestler. So then I was like, where are you at? And when he told me his address, he lived a quarter mile away from me. I went over his house that night and started training. That night I started training. I bet you as well, Barry was wearing that really uh, tasteful pink zebra uh singlet that he had with that amazing mu- <laughs> with that amazing mullet as well i mean that was quite a look he had going on <laughs> <laughs> the skunk head and everything hey like you say he always taught me he said you got to make yourself memorable you got to yes. make yourself memorable you got to do something to where people remember you me absolutely i basically fashioned myself after mike sharp if you think about it because i was always oh real loud in the ring everything i did was real loud just like mike sharp oh mike sharp is incredible as well like someone who really flies under the radar for a lot of people today but if you watch any of those old madison square garden shows not the shows not like the the episodes of superstars where it was like a quick three minute squash but if you watch like the boston garden or the maple leaf wrestling shows from the early 80s when he would have like the 20 minute matches and he would have the forearm uh, oh, cover canada's greatest and he would never yeah. get tired never never yeah never after the match he would come back and work out for three four hours <laughs> in the lock I, I, that's no lie that's how he got the name iron mike sharp he was locked heard- in many he was locked in many arenas because he was in yeah. there right now. And then <laughs> locked, the thing oh, that God, heard. how do I get out of here? Because I got chains around the doors and all, you know, arenas lock up. <laughs> yeah, I heard as well that he was a clean freak, that he would shower before and after yep. his match. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But see, most boys, most of the boys shower before their match. Almost everybody does shower before their match. Because that's common courtesy, you know what I mean, to the person you're wrestling. Mm-hmm. No, that that well, makes you sense. You will get your butt kicked if you stink. <laughs> Trust can me. You, can you name any stinky wrestlers? No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Damn it! I was hoping to get a real good. I, I have there. wrestled a few though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the maths together of who you were in the ring with during that time, and we'll start watching some of these matches. And any of them that you're not prepared to take like a headlock from with your head in their oh, armpit no. or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, there was never a stinky WWF or WWE wrestler. It was always okay. independent guys. Uh-huh. You know, where you go to an independent match and they don't have a shower, so the guy just got there from work and he's going to wrestle you. Come on, man. Be for real. Go and take yeah. a shower before you come here. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't watch wrestling growing up or anything like that? Oh, was... I, I lived on wrestling growing up. My right. father and I used to have standing reservations at the Eddie Graham Sports Arena and watch it every night. And uh, we would, we would, you know, sitting right there when he come out. I watched Dusty Rhodes start, Eddie Graham, Mike Graham, uh, the Fantastics, uh, uh, Steve Kern, all of them. I watched all of them start, you know what I mean? The Rock I see you Yes, I watched all of that. So it was, it was mainly Florida that you were watching at the time? Uh, it was it was mainly Florida. I went and saw live, but I never missed the WWF TV taping. You know, I mean, not a, a TV show. My father, mm-hmm. I mean, if I was playing baseball and it used to always come on Saturdays at four o'clock, 
If I was playing baseball and somebody said it's 3.30, I would drop the bat and run home as fast as I could because my father was sitting in the living room with a bowl of popcorn, man, watching uh, watching wrestling, waiting for me. That's amazing. Every, see, that was one of the greatest things in life to me, to be honest with you, is my dad was like five to six months before he died. He was, you know, really ill and everything. But, man, to walk into that house with that WWF belt, you know what I mean? And watch him cry like a baby. You know, it was it was the best thing in the world, man. I thank Vince over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, we'll, de- we'll definitely get more into the, the title win and the, the whole Gilbert uh, reign as well. But um, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by, you know, your early career with uh, Barry because you teamed up as the executioners. And, um, yeah, we, we were also the Lords of Darkness. Yes, you were. Um, Lords of Darkness on the independence where we were holding titles in just about every league we wrestled in. At one time, we used to have to carry a separate suitcase just to carry the belts. Wow. Did, yeah, did, Barry, it, did Barry promote at that time then, or was he just wrestling? Yeah, Barry or? was a promoter. See, Barry, Barry and I actually started MCW, Maryland Championship Wrestling, oh, which wow. was very okay. big. And see how Danny McDivitt got MCW was... I had to close my school and I was on the road and Danny opened the school because I started Barry and I started wrestling, you know, so much a month. We were like 20 to 30 days, 20 to 28 days a month. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I couldn't run a school no more. So Danny opened the school and uh, he said, hey, Dwayne, I don't have a league. You know, I, you mind if I use MCW? I said, go ahead, Dan. And look what he's done with it. Yeah, I mean, my God, man, unbelievable, unbelievable. So, um, back then, um, with the NWA kind of not really existing at that point, really, um, and you guys being a like an independent company, a very early independent company outside of something like the NWA, did you have bigger former WWF names pass through or NWA no, names at that time? Yeah, well, um, Cactus Jack wrestled for us a whole lot. He wrestled for us a lot, and we had a lot of the ECW guys. We mainly did it with all independents back then, and we used to, Barry and I used to hang all the posters, you know, sell the tickets, do everything, and we never had a show that wasn't sold out. Back then, man, wrestling was, you know, it was easy to hold a wrestling show. <laughs> you know what I so, mean? Was it, um, was that part of the reason why you wore masks so that you could then do other jobs for the company without the mask on and no one would realize oh, yeah. that you were WWF, yeah. WWE. Yeah, we um see we would go out and wrestle. We always wrestled singles and then we would also wrestle, you know, tag teams as Barry and Dwayne. But then we were like, wait a minute, they like using us. Let's do the executioners, man. Let's bring the executioners back. That way we can wrestle twice. You know what I mean? And a lot of times they would bring us in on house shows. We'd be doing house shows. And if somebody couldn't show and the executioners just say we're like wrestling the head shrinkers. Mm-hmm. Well, we'd wrestle the head shrinkers. Then Dwayne Gill could go out and do a singles match with somebody if somebody didn't make it. Or Barry Hardy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or Barry and Dwayne could wrestle another tag match. <laughs> That's smart. That's really yeah. smart. So the, yeah. um, We just make more I- money. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I, I can tell you the first time that I saw you wrestle, um, it was one of those 40-man battle royals, uh, which ended up on a Coliseum video. 
Um, and I think it was the one where t- I've seen two. There's one where Tatanka won, and there's one where the British Bulldog won. And I think you may you were in the Tatanka one. You may have been in both. Um, well, I, I was in both of them. Yes, sir. Yeah. So was that a regular thing for the house shows? Because that's a forty man battle royal seemed very unique. At that well, point. that 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 was the first time they ever had the forty man battle royals. There's two times, and. It was it was like an honor, man, because it was all names and Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill. You know what I mean? We were like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, this is awesome. Yeah. People and I'm sure guys like scoffers, Mike, you know what I mean? I'm sure guys like Mike Sharp were in there as well. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying it was all names back then. Everybody in there was a name except for Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill. <laughs> but I mean the the term jobber because i think that kind of gets misappropriated sometimes because you were right. an act you were still an active part of the roster it, it, you know compared to say the weekend warriors who would only come in in their local hometown you were like traveling with wwf at that point yes i was i was doing house shows and all yeah but see the reason i say jobber is i don't like enhancement the reason i don't like enhancement is because if you think about this enhancement is a valet, a manager, um, okay. something outside to also help you with the match because you can't keep the crowd into the match. So the enhancement keeps the match going. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you understand what I mean? To me, you know, it's when you lose, it's called doing the job. Okay. When you lose, mm. 3,000 times in a row, I'd say you're a jobber. (laughs) (laughs) See, the the thing is... See, like I try to tell people, I really wasn't a jobber. I wasn't a wrestler. I was an electrician. I was just checking out how many lights were out in the ceilings all (laughs) (laughs) those More more time on the canvas than Rembrandt and all that kind of... That's it, bro. You know what I mean? Look, I got into business to be a wrestler, Okay. Um, there's 10 million wrestlers and there's 500 jobs. Okay. And to have, and to people are like, how can you go up there and just lose every day and lose every day? And Hey, you're a wrestler, but you only wrestle once every two or three months. Yeah. You win, but you're in front of 50 people. Mm -hmm. I wrestle 20 to 25 days a month with the very best there is in the business on TV in front of 20 to 30,000 people at a time. You see what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. And plus, as I made my craft better and got better at it, who was I in the ring learning with? The best in the business. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Barry taught me old school, though. He always taught me old school. You know, if if a name wants you to carry a bag, grab that bag and start carrying it. You know what I mean? Uh, always show respect to the people that paved your way. So to, to uh, bring, take us through uh, uh, in the early to mid-90s an average WWF, say, TV taping, would it just be your name would be on the board against whoever and you would have a, a little chat with them beforehand and that would be it? That's it. And the agent for the match would come in and say, look, you know, of course, you know, he's winning, but hey, give him a little offense this time, or you know what I mean? Make him look a little stronger, you know what I'm saying? But if they want the guy to look like a dominant person, it's just crushing. Yeah. You, you understand? And then it's it's up to us to come up with what we really want to do. 
He just kind of tells us, I want you to do this in the match. With the house shows at, at that time, were you in more competitive matches? Or, oh, um, in the house shows, we never got jobbed. Never, never. Oh, ever really? Wow. Yeah, no. Yeah. Actually, when we were wrestling smoking guns, the rest of the boys on the card were complaining because we were wrestling so long. <laughs> we had such good matches, man. Smoking guns love wrestling us, you know what I mean? And we used to get yeah. a lot of heat as the executioners. And they would let us beat them up and all that. So we got tons of heat because Barry and I have moved, have moves that people don't even do. Mm. You know what I mean? That's one thing that, that got me in is I can do a thing where Barry brings you in the hard way. You know what I mean? But I can mm -hmm. slingshot all the way across a 20 foot ring hit and go right at the ropes. You know? <laughs> How do well, you learn to do that? I used to. I was going to say, how do you realize you can do that? Like, who did that the first we time to you? We did it. We were in a ring, and we were doing it, and he was like, holy, oh, my God, man, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why? He said, oh, my God, you look like you killed yourself. I said, no, I'm fine. Why? He said, oh, man, can you do that again? I said, here, bam. Said, oh, my God. Oh, and actually, <laughs> when Larry Sharp first saw me, I was up doing the tryout to go to WWF, because that's how, how Barry got there and all. Larry Sharp was the person that got us up there we were outside wrestling in larry's monster factory which i later owned two monster factories but um yeah wow. i was in there and uh he come walking out the uh walking out his office and he had a guy with him called a soul taker real big i mean this guy was 610 380 pounds of muscle you know who it was it's a godfather had a mohawk and everything and about that time Barry did the slingshot thing where he pulled me in and I went barrel and went all the way out the other side of the ring, right? I hit and like went right under the ropes. And and all of a sudden you hear, ho, 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 stop, 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 stop. And we're like, what? Barry goes, and uh, Larry goes, I don't believe I saw what I just saw. Can you do that again? And we're like, what's that? And he goes, that slingshot thing. Oh, yeah, sure. So I get out on the outside, and Barry's starting to throw. He goes, Nick, don't throw the punches. Don't. Just pull him in. And I went, oh, barrel. And I went all the way across, hit, went out the ropes and stood up. And I said, is that what you wanted to see? He goes, yeah, you can go to WWF. <laughs> he said, you can bump like that, you can go, man. And the thing, and, and I'd imagine as well the fact that you guys could bump like crazy and do yeah, really unique like things. Wrestling you know, that's what I guns. We, we used to do a lot of the moves that Barry and I made up. You know mm. the Famouser? Yeah. Well, we did that to them, and that night they went to the locker room. And it wasn't called the Famouser. We called it, you know, an elbow plex and a leg plex. And uh, he, as soon as we went to the locker room, they said, we're stealing that. You can't do that no more. <laughs> I said, what? They said, oh, yeah, that's our new finished move, man. We're stealing that son, bitch. Just like that. We were like, ah, oh, man, go for it, brother. Every move was made up by somebody. We all stole moves from somebody. That's true. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, uh, talking about tag teams that you were in the ring against, you were at the first Monday Night Raw against yes, the Steiner were. brothers. Um, and I love, my one of my favorite time periods is those Manhattan Center Monday Night Raws because there was nothing like that atmosphere, especially for that time. Um, so did that just feel unique to you or did it remind you of like the indie shows oh, that you were doing at the time it was awesome man and you know barry and i were on every episode for the first two years mm -hmm. i can imagine every that episode <laughs> Monday Night Raw for the first two years if we weren't the executioners we were you know ourselves mm -hmm. and that match that first show 
I wrestled that with a broken shoulder and a cracked sternum because we wrestled the Steiners 10 days before that to get ready for that match. Mm. And they had broke my shoulder and cracked my stomach. <laughs> oh, and you got back in the ring the with finisher, them. That's... Did it. But what happened was, by the fourth day, I mean, I was riding around with bags of ice on me. Mm. I finally, you know, by the fourth day, we knew them enough to say, because that's when they were brand new in there. Remember, they had just got signed. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the fourth day, I was like, hey, Rick, let go of me, man. You know I can work now. You don't look at my shoulder. And I got a bone. I still got a bone sticking up right here from it. And wow. uh, and uh, I said, you also cracked my sternum on the x-ray. Uh, he's like, oh, my God. I said, yeah, can you let go? He said, yeah, you all right, man? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Ever since then, everything was so light, man. Steiner brothers are awesome. I'll tell you, they are awesome. Yeah. But they, oh, are, the- they are, uh, because they're so muscled up, man, they were, you know, they just do a normal move. It's stiff. You know what I'm saying? The, the thing that I'd heard, heard though. God, man, some of the best workers in the world. The thing that I'd heard, yes, they're stiff, but if you give your bodies to them, they will pick you up and put you where they need you to go. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. That's what I'm saying. I know we wrestled them a ton of times. I mean, probably 200 times. And I used to take the Frankensteiner all the time. And there was a couple times, man, where Scott would jump up and I'd just be hitting the ropes. And he's 10 feet away from me. And he's up in the air with his legs up. You can ask... If you ever get Barry Hardy, he'll tell you I would hit the ropes and dive all the way as far as I could. And he would catch me on the way down and boom, knock me out seven out of ten times. Wow. Knock that little ring. Because I am serious, man. There's one podcast, and I think it might have been the Bruce Pritchard podcast, that talks about the first Raw and talks about your match with the Steiners. And apparently Scott, on record one time, said that he loved facing you guys because you were so good at taking the Frankensteiner. Um, <laughs> maybe you had no choice but to be good at taking it. <laughs> uh, nah, man. Them guys were awesome, man. Yeah. They, like, I was the first one to take the um, suplex into the powerbomb. Remember how I used to do that? Yeah. He made that up in the locker room. He was holding me up like this, <coughs> and he would he would just let go and catch me on the way down. There's a concrete floor there. He's like, just trust me. <laughs> I mean, we're just doing it over and over. I'm like, yes, man. <laughs> he said, but in the ring, I'm going to drop down into a powerbomb. You know, yeah, I got you, brother. No problem. I love that. That's what I say. We wrestled so many times. We Anything you guys want to do. Mm. They were that good. So, you know what I mean? Which which move was it that injured you then? Was it the top rope bulldog or was it that DDT yeah, the top off the shoulder? It was when we right. first met him and they didn't know nothing. It was actually the very first night. And he held on because he didn't know how I bumped. He didn't know anything. You know what I mean? He's trying to make his job right. That's all it was. And when he hit, yeah. he, bent, he, he bent me in half like this and it cracked my sternum and it snapped my shoulder. Was there any. Right here. Yeah, yeah. I I still kept working, man. I wrestled the next 10 days. And there was three double shots in them 10 days. Jeez. And wrestlers complain now about how... I rode rode from... I drove from town to town with a big bag of ice there in my shoulder. (laughs) He had to wrap towels around the lower part of me because of the dripping, you know what I mean? Good Lord. I don't think wrestlers... Wrestlers will complain now about far less than that, I think. Oh, nah, nowadays, a... now back in the mm-hmm. days, it's nothing. I mean, I broke my foot one night. We uh, 
we wrestled a battle royal, right? And we got thrown out of the ring over the top. And when I came down, my foot hit the step. And it broke my foot. Asked Barry. I got right in the car, drove to New York, had my foot in the bag of ice, had it in the bag of ice the whole time in the locker room. All right, your match is up. Put my boot on, walk out through the match, come back in a bag of ice. Go to the next town, they say that over every night, every night. I would not miss a match, no sir, buddy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm guessing, like, someone like yourself would have had the respect of the entire locker room, even if you are, a, you know, a jobber, in quotes. You know, I'm guessing if someone tried to take advantage of you, some a, a, a name like The Undertaker or someone like that would probably say, look, you know, yeah, d- did that happen? Like, yes, it, it, it happened a few times. Um won't mention no names, okay? Mm-hmm. One wrestler doing his tryout beat the living hell out of me. Right? Yeah. Come through the curtain. I come in the back. First thing I do in the gorilla position, I pick a chair up. I'm standing with a chair. Shawn Michaels goes, what's up? And I said, that son of a bitch beat my ass, man. I said, I'm going to hit him right in the face for the chair when he comes through that door. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shawn's like, no, no, get on, man. You're in front of gorilla and everybody. I said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to knock a son of a bitch out. And uh, John Lance. he grabbed me. Um, That's him uh, calling now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Sean grabbed me, yanked me out in the back room. He's like, man, don't ever do that again, man. I got you covered, man. The guy come through the curtain. He slapped him in the face, man. What the hell is wrong with you, man? Kill's the best we got. You're out there beating the hell out of him. Oh, like, man, you didn't have to do nothing. All you do is do moves. Like, oh, oh, you know what I mean? Um, another time. Uh, Was it? What? Wink once for yes or twice for no. Was it Ludwig Borger? No, no, I never wrestled okay. Ludwig. <laughs> okay. I was a big guy, remember? Another <laughs> time, uh, um, I thought I was going to die, brother, to be honest with you. Oh. Men on a mission? Yeah. Well, when they did their tryout, Mo laid me in the wrong place in the ring, out in the middle of the ring, and Mabel was on the top rope, and he was going to do the leg drop. He yeah. jumped as far as he could, and he yokozuned me in the middle of the ring. From the top rope. I thought I was dead. I really, I thought I, I was there, man. I mean, he flattened me. Wham. Luckily, back then, I was, you know, jacked up. I was like 245, you know what I mean? I had a, you know, a lot of muscle in me. But, uh, yeah, man, Sean, oh, my God. Sean, Sean ripped his head off, man. Sean always, I, you say what you want about Sean Michaels, but he always took care of the boys. You know, the jobbers and stuff like that, because we were out there. See, me, they understood. The reason I think I got my respect and everything is, one is, I love being there. Mm-hmm. Two is, I love doing my job. I love the idea that I was wrestling the best in the business. I was wrestling all the stars I just watched, that I was yeah. admiring, that I, you know, the Bulldogs, you know, the Hart Foundation, Undertaker. I was there when the Undertaker came in. Mm-hmm. I knew Mark on the independence. Mark comes in and we're like, hey, Mark, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, I don't know, man. They got me doing some dead man gimmick or something, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, See, and, this- and he said, I think you're going to call me Gravedigger. I said, they can't call you the Gravedigger. He said, why? I said, that was my name, man. <laughs> because in the Lords of Darkness, I was the Gravedigger and Barry was the Night Stalker. Uh huh. 
So I heard a story. You talk about Shawn Michaels sticking up for the boys, and again, without mentioning names, um, someone who was relatively new to the company uh, asked Harvey Whippleman as if he was just a gopher to go and get him a coffee. And Shawn Michaels was like, "Do you know who he is? He's a legend in Memphis. Yeah, and, you he know, is, man. you don't well, tell him man, what I to do." Smack and, the guy yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I think Michaels, you know, for the bad rep that he can get in certain circumstances. You know, unless you were there, you don't know, really. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, everybody, yeah. every one of us has an asshole side. Come on, man. <laughs> every one of us. But, I mean, Sean, I I can't say nothing bad about Sean. He was always good to me, you know what I mean? And good to Barry and good to everybody I ever brought up here. He always showed him respect, treated him nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Never, never, I never, never experienced the uh, a-hole if he is. You know what I mean? So in the way that Barry brought you to WWF, were you responsible for bringing others up there? Oh, tons and tons. Because, see, like I said, what happened was I took the ball and ran with it. Mm. You know, Barry bought a ring and, you know, was just teaching a couple little guys. And it was mainly local wrestlers we were working out, right? Well, yeah. me, I talked to Larry and started getting to know Larry real good. Next thing you know, I have a Baltimore Monster Factory. Now, yeah. the uh, Paul White and all of them are coming down training at my school and all too. You know what I mean? That's what a lot of people don't realize. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't realize that the Monster Factory became like a franchise for. Yeah. Oh yeah. For a while there, for like uh, four years. Wow. Yeah. For like four years, I had two of them in Baltimore. Because <clears throat> the thing that I'd heard with the Monster Factory that it was opened with uh, Buddy Rogers to train his Buddy son. Buddy Rogers David. did it, and then uh, he, yeah. said he uh, partnered up with Larry Sharp. Mm. And, and then and Larry, was t- I partnered with Larry later on in life. What was Larry like? Because you hear lots of crazy stories about Larry. Larry Sharp was cool as hell, man. Larry <laughs> was Larry was a wrestler, old school wrestler, brother. Just. Larger than life, always, ah, what's up, man? How you doing? You know what I mean? Larry was the coolest thing in the world, man. He really was. Uh, Larry was really just a cool dude. He was everything now, like, all right, now you're a wrestler. Now you're making your first big name, Larry Sharp. And he's everything you thought he would be. You know what I mean? He was was a wrestler. He was just always a wrestler. Larry was always, always had the white hair, always wearing Zubas, just... Larry Sharp, always loud, you know, he's Larry. Why, why, come here, you know? <laughs> yeah, Larry's true character. You, like, you don't get characters like that anymore, especially trainers. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, he was yeah. he was a wrestler. As soon as you walked in, you're like, yeah, that guy's a wrestler. <laughs> so did you wear Zub as much? Who, me? Yeah. I did back in the day. Yeah, the fanny packed the whole deal, brother. <laughs> You know, you're a weightlifter, you know what I mean? You got to do the deal, you know what I mean? For the, for the, you know, gold gym shirts, the whole thing, you know what I mean? See, okay, I've got a couple of merch questions for you then. So did you get given Ico Pro? Because I heard wrestlers yes, would turn I've down Ico Pro. All of Ico Pro. I had so much Ico Pro, oh my God, man. And you know what? I did it. And it did help a lot. Oh, wow. You're the first person, I think, who ever said that. <laughs> it, actually, yeah. it actually gave me energy, helped me stay hard, you know, big. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, still I have... Grow from it, but it made me stay, you know what I mean? I stayed fit. The uh, energy bars, I love the energy bars, my God. Uh, 
If you still have any of those, they would sell on eBay yeah, now. People are weird. Yeah, like, I ate everything, man. <laughs> did all the powder. I did everything. I did all of it. The rumor was that IcoPro went down so badly that uh, behind Titan Towers, uh, they dug a hole and just dumped all of the unused <laughs> IcoPro. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I hope that's true. I hope that's true. Um, so for pay-per-views or Monday Night Raws, et cetera, where there would be memorabilia like a, a pay-per-view T-shirt or a hat and stuff like that, were you guys just given that stuff or how did that work? Yeah, we were we were good friends with the merch guy. And if there was new merch, we like, hey, man, come here, um, here shut up, get out of here, shut up, get out of here. You know what I mean? Back in the day, uh-huh. it was it was so much different than today. I mean, so much different. It was it was it was really family. You know what I mean? Everybody was family. Everybody cared about everybody. Nobody tried to screw nobody over. It, it was it was just way, way, way different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, it's, oh, he's hurt. <clears throat> Get out of the way. I'll take his place. You know what I mean? Not, hey, yeah. man, look here. Let me help you, man. Fix that. Let me show you how to get by this. You know, how to fix it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In what sense? Like, work around the injury or actually look after them financially or? Any, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Any, any way possible. Like, you know, get around the I did. I was doing a move uh, where um, the uh, Legion of Doom, if you remember, would walk over to the side of the ring and drop me out of the ring like that, yeah. and, me and just toss me out of the ring. Oh, I remember. Night, yeah. One night, um, Hawk did it. It was always Animal, and he would lay me perfectly flat to where I could hit like a push-up. You know what I mean? And take a real nice bump. Well, Hawk did it and got a little nervous and let me go like this and let my feet go down first. Well, when my feet hit, they twisted. And I blew out my knee and I got up and I like looked across the ring and the animal looked at me. I went, and he goes, ha ah, man. So we got in the ring and he said, you're all right. And I said, I don't know. He said, try the power slam. I said, all right. And I was going across the ring and I was limping. I got the power slam. You know, I did it right. No. And, and when he hit, he goes, my God, you're messed up, man. Get out of the ring. So when we got back to the back, he come through the curtains, man. He scooped me up and went running. Where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? See what I'm saying? You'd never get that today. Where's the no. doctor? You got to take care of him, man. Take care of him. It's his right knee. It's his right knee. You know what I mean? Was I, there a, a particular kinship with guys like uh, the, the Berserker and LOD, those guys that came from the Monster Factory? Or was yeah. it just the same as anyone else sort of thing? Yeah, everybody was the same. I mean, Bam Bam Bigelow came from the Monster Factory and all, you yeah. know? And they were mm. just, back then, everybody was so cool. Nobody, no, no attitudes, no nothing. You know what I mean? It's just so much different. So if, a, like, a, um, a veteran like Bam Bam Bigelow or Matt Bourne, who came in as Dunk the Clown, you know, they're obviously well-known within the industry and everyone in the locker room would know who they are. So what is it like when a new guy like that who is still well-known comes into the locker room? Is it just, oh, what are you doing here? You know, that kind of hey, thing. Hey, man, just... you got a job? Awesome, man. <laughs> All right, brother, come on in. Yeah, man, yeah. That's what it's like. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's Did like Barry ever... and I... Back then, the jobbers would all dress in the hallway. Right. Barry and I got to go in the dressing room. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> but don't don't think I didn't come back to a few times with my bag in the shower or my stuff <laughs> locked up with a lock that I don't even know who came from. It's like, oh man. <laughs> you don't sell you know it. What I mean? Yeah. You don't sell it either, I'm guessing. No, 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 no. no. Like one night we came back. There was nobody in the locker room. We just did the main event with the smoke guns. I went and took my shower and all came out, pulled my shoes out. They were filled to the top with ice water. <laughs> ice and water just costed. Oh, well, put my boots on. We drove to the hotel, went to the hotel. All the boys are going, hey, look, that's one of them air wrestlers. You can tell by his Chinese boots. Look, he's got his boots on. <laughs> <laughs> they waited for me, man. They waited for me. So throughout those years, um, so it was guys, you know, when you look at those early Monday Night Raws, you would have guys like Jason Knight um, and PJ Palaco and, you know, uh, sort of a new fresh crop of job guys, basically. But was there like a um, a kind of an unspoken brotherhood with the job guys sort of thing? Like, Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. had our own little brotherhood where we all hung out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And every one of us, every single one of us who was there doing jobs, we're trying to get a job. That's why we were there. Mm-hmm. You know what I so mean? So were, were guys like, say, Jim Powers, who had previously been on pay-per-views, he kind of slipped down the card. And, you know, a lot of people say it was because he was a heavy partier and maybe couldn't be trusted in a position and stuff like that. So were the kind of – did you notice when guys would slip down the card? Was no, any I kind never of- – well, I mean, we would notice they'd slip down, but we never really, we were still the job guys. We didn't really know that, you know what I mean? We weren't in that good with them. Like, we got to go to bars with them now and then and stuff like that, but we didn't, didn't you know, go back to the hotel or nothing and party with them back then. You know what I mean? Uh, when you were doing, um, you know, the jobs during that period, one thing I noticed with, like, trading cards or stickers or uh, pogs and stuff like that, if it was a Razor Ramon pog, there's a really famous one where he has Barry Hardy in, like, a camel clutch. Um, oh, really? You know, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll show you that. Um, and did you ever see yourself in those early days on trading cards getting a clothesline from Bulldog or whatever? Oh, yeah, um, I've been a lot of tons of, like, posters in their old, in the old magazines. They always had the poster. I was probably, I won probably 10 posters, like ones with Lex Luger pressing me. One, yeah. I'm on Legion of Doom shoulders and Hawks diving off, hitting me, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, yeah. So that was that was kind of stuff that you got a kick out of and you still have in your collection and all oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I went and dug into my collection, yeah. I still mm-hmm. have this in my collection. It's sitting on my desk. Remember him? <laughs> yes I, oh well, well we're gonna get to this very very soon uh this is uh were you uh which one were you you were terry um uh, no barry terry okay <laughs> see right okay because i remember you got interviewed for wwe.com about this mm-hmm. because there were rumors about this match for a long long time and then i think a photograph maybe shown up and then there was an article and then the match eventually ended up on the dvd the toxic turtles who did you face again do you remember no it was just two job guys man what mm. actually happened was barry i told barry we had carried them outfits for six months with us and finally i said barry i'm tired of it i'm putting it on he goes you are not you lying <laughs> son of a bitch. 
That's what I'm telling you, Barry. I'm putting going going out in the locker room. What a way to leave it. The story on how the Toxic Turtles came to be. Uh, we will very much get into that, myself and Dwayne Gill, and so much more on part two of our epic interview for the official Cello Toys podcast. Dwayne Gill is the newest recipient of a bone-crushing wrestler's action figure in the Cello Toys line, and it is very exciting. It's such a huge gap uh, to be filled, and uh, Cello are doing the Lord's work, let's just put it that way. So speaking of bone-crushing wrestlers, the Blue Meanie figure is up for pre-order, you can visit uh, shop.figurecollections.com if you're in the States or of course you can visit cellotoys.net to pre-order the figure and reasonably late breaking news uh, as of recording this podcast the bone crushing wrestler figures will come with trading cards now these aren't trading cards that are perforated to the box these are actual separate collectors trading cards of the wrestler that you will be buying the figure of and you will either get the standard version or the shiny version so very very exciting stuff so if you get trades obviously bring them to school and uh we'll all get together in the playground and uh, we will trade our cards so yes part uh, two of the Dwayne Gill interview coming next week and I want to thank you all check out Turnchuckle on Instagram if you want to see random random bits in my collection with tons of stories uh, videos pictures of cats uh, do check out the archives on bbgwrestling.com interviews with everyone from Ahmed Johnson to Todd Pettengill and everywhere in between and uh, yeah I want to thank you again and we will see you all next time